Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. War Eagle, everybody. Welcome back to Believe in Everything Auburn. I am Taylor Davis, and I am joined, as always, by Jason Campbell. What's up, everybody? It has been far too long since we put out an episode, but that is just the hand that we were dealt. The month of December was absolute chaos for Jay and I, and so... We just unfortunately had to take a brief hiatus, but we are back and hopefully better than ever, even though my voice says otherwise, ready for 2023 and all the good that it can bring Auburn Athletics and our podcast. I'm losing track of how long we've been doing this, Jay, but certainly several years now, and I love it just as much now as I did at the beginning. So no slowing us down. We're glad all of our listeners have stuck with us. Um, and welcome back, everybody. Happy New Year. We hope you had a very Merry Christmas. Since we last spoke, a lot has transpired. So Jay and I are going to try and fit it all into one episode. There's plenty to cover here as the college football season winds down. We are less than a week away from crowning a national champion. So we're going to talk about all of that. But more importantly, what all has been transpiring down on the plains. And luckily, we have boots on the ground and Jason Campbell. JKM has been heavily involved in the program as of late, helping with recruiting. Obviously, we've talked about the NIL initiatives, his involvement in covering the football program. So Jay knows better than anybody uh, just the current pulse around Auburn and specifically Auburn football. So welcome in, everybody. Uh, Jay, I'll I'll turn it over to you, A, because I barely have a voice and no one wants to hear from me, but B, like I said, you have been heavily involved in the football program as of late, as, you know, Coach Hugh Freeze has continued to hit the ground running and, and try and build this thing his way, as well as rebuilding from what has transpired the past couple of years. So just kind of start big picture with me, how things have been going, the the last month with early signing day and and transfers and all the chaos but but also progress that you've been seeing yeah that's been the thing uh taylor uh i will say this because coach freeze when he got here you know about a month ago we was ranked like 50 something in recruiting yeah or maybe even 60 something on signing day we was already down to 16 and then it's going to be even higher once the some of these all all American games take place and these kids announce where they're going. And mm-hmm. then we, so we have opportunity to improve even more before it's all said and done because you have a February signing period as well. Right. Uh, we've done a really good job in the transfer portal and we're continuing to work on the transfer portal and, and everything. So, you know, everyone's been working constantly nonstop. Uh, this has been, it is a different world. I would say uh, back yeah. from the days when I came through recruiting to now, like, you're having to recruit your own players to stay. And then you're also having to recruit high school kids. And then they're having to recruit transfer portal kids. And now you have NIL, which you have to explain to parents what is NIL. You have to educate everybody about NIL and about, you know, their opportunities and different things, because that's what they want to hear about. Most of them, let's be honest, the most, um, you do get a few parents that ask you questions about the education aspect, which I mm-hmm. think has kind of gone lost a little bit when it comes to NIL, when it comes to, you know, because of NIL and when it comes to these kids choosing schools, you know, that still needs to be a highly 
you know, talked about subject. That's why part of our NIL, we talk to these kids about, hey, you need to keep a certain GPA. You need to stay in school. Like you need to, you know, make sure you're going to class, making sure that you're staying eligible because you have to be eligible in order to receive your NIL and right. everything. So, you know, you have to put those parameters in there because you want these kids to understand like, hey, you're in a major university. Yes, you play, play football. That's awesome. That's great. But 90% of you guys are not going to play at the next level. And right. you need to take advantage of this opportunity to get your degree while you're making income for yourself. So when you finish playing football, even if you don't make it to the National Football League, you're still ahead of 98% of the kids that come out of college mm -hmm. because most kids got to pay what student loan debt. And you won't have student loan debt and you won't have any loans to pay on but you will still have some income in your pocket to go start your life. And, yeah. and we understand that everyone knows the game that we play is a very dangerous game. You know, if you look the other night watching the, the Buffalo and Cincinnati game, you know, it brings chills to your skin because we always automatically just think a person make a hit. They just going to get up off the ground. Right. And when you actually see what happens, you realize the danger that comes with playing the game of football and everything. So, you know, yes, these kids, they work hard. They have to practice and still have to go and, and study and get ready for games and everything. But there's a there's there's a there's a fine line in everything though. And and making sure that we still prioritize the things that in life that's gonna propel you longer. So we just gotta make sure that this stuff gets handled with certain parameters and, and making mm -hmm. sure that the heart stays where it needs to go because I want kids to come to Auburn because first they fell in love with Auburn. Mm -hmm. Why? Because they have a more intention to stay at Auburn, even when it's a roller coaster, because their heart was there first. And then came the NIL and opportunities for them. Yeah. If you come, if you come based off what I can get out of it financially first, then your heart's not truly in it because that creates you as have a little bit of a selfish mindset rather than having a winning mindset and saying, Hey, I've always learned this through my years of playing pro ball and even after playing pro ball. If you chase money, money going to find a way to run from you faster than, than, than you chase Then it. you caught it, yeah. But if you just do what you're supposed to do, grind, work extremely hard, things have a way of finding you. You don't have yeah. to go looking for it. That is a very good point. And I do think that right now, more than ever, everyone's kind of perspective on the game, on the why, on the risk is at an all-time high. Like you said, what happened on Monday was horrible and it was horrible to witness and to experience. But I think that the reality is that that's always been there. And where I think people, you know, get confused is money is the answer to all of it, to your point. And I, I even think I saw a clip on Twitter today talk breaking down the numbers of DeMar Hamlin's current contract and what he is guaranteed from the league, which is nothing right now because he's only in his second year. So there are realities and loopholes to the money. But at the end of the day, even if it was guaranteed, nothing is more important than that man's life. Nothing right. is more important than his health. So like that can't be the be all end all. We have to make appropriate decisions for our families, for our well-being and for our futures. And so I think that keeping NIL 
at the forefront of our decisions, keeping money as the, the drive and the motivation is going to head us in the wrong direction. These kids still have to try and make decisions based on what is best for them and their family and their future. And I understand the money is relevant in that, but it can't be the driving force. And so you're right. I don't want college football to lose the heart and the passion and the goodness that it was once based off of. Because as we saw Monday, everything can change in a split second. So you're absolutely right. And the experience of college football and the team aspect and the university and, and your college experience, that should still be prevalent for these kids. And, and I really hope that it is. And I believe that Auburn specifically will do a good job at, at keeping that at the forefront, the culture, the fan support, the family element. I don't see that going anywhere. So that is is certainly up to us as fans to make sure that we do our part in that too, though. Right. And the thing is, too, Taylor, is a lot of pressures on these young kids. Yeah. You know, you know, not from just outside, but just even within their own, you know, own small groups, uh, maybe family, maybe close friends, maybe, you know, high school coaches or different things because they want to do what? They want to please everybody. And right. what they have to understand is you can't please everybody. You know, yeah. even if you try to, you can't. You know, it's just you just have to basically sit down and, and go through all your pros and cons and find out what's the best decision for you. Because at the end of the day, you're the one going to be lacing it up for the next four years. You're the one going to mm-hmm. be shooting that basketball, throwing that baseball, hitting that softball. You know, it's you. You know, so you have to understand that there's going to be some people that you can't please because they may want you to go to this school because maybe that's just been their school of their dreams or they may want you, you know, but it hasn't been for you, you know, so you have to understand that as well. And then there's a lot of kids that, you know, their families do need help, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and, and everything. But I always tell them this as well. You have to be able to help, but you can't be a crutch all the time. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is, NIL money for a lot of these kids is great starter money to life. Yeah. And I said NFL money is life-changing generational money. But you have to get to those second and third contracts even for that. Mm. So, you know, there's still there's still steps along the way. But it's like you said, don't lose sight of what's more important and and everything because you have all the money in the world, but if you don't have help, it means nothing. You yep. know, if you can you know, you can have all the money in the world, but if you don't have relationships or and everything, you don't, have, you know, don't know how to talk with people, you miss out on life. Yeah. And yeah. all you be known for is just money. And that's gonna that's gonna be here even when you're gone. So true. You know, so so that's why I say like create good memories, create great opportunities for yourself, but don't let every decision have to be based off. What does that that bottom line end up being? Because that bottom line can be a difference between a couple thousand dollars. That's not gonna mean a whole lot down the road. Because if you go where your heart tell you to go and you pray about it, and that's where you're supposed to go, it's gonna propel you to where you need to be the next four to five, ten years. Right. But if you chase something over here just because it's a little bit more, but that's not where your heart's telling you to go, but you chase it anyways. It could hurt you for the next five to 10 years or where you could have been because you chase what's now that's irrelevant to what's going to be. So we have to get, we have to be very, very careful how we talk to these young people and how we're educating them about 
all of this because every all of this is so new and all of it came on us so fast and no one was was prompt about it no one was educated about it it was just mm-hmm. Hey, here you go. Y'all deal with it. And every state has its own different rules. I was like, you can't do that. Right. No, it's so true. The discrepancy is making it even harder. No one was equipped, like you said. No one was given a blueprint. And we're just having to figure it out as we go, which I've said it a million times. I think this is the hardest time to be a college football coach because there is so much they are having to figure out in real time with not enough guidance and assistance. So it makes this time of year even harder, but Coach Freeze and the coaching staff seem to be making some headway on our current roster and staff. Um, So a couple updates since we last had an episode, we actually had not wrapped up the coaching staff, which actually an update just happened in the past couple weeks anyway. But since we last spoke, the coordinators have been locked down. Auburn has hired Philip Montgomery as the offensive coordinator and Ron Roberts as defensive coordinator. So Phil Montgomery was the head coach at Tulsa from 2015 to 2022, but he was an offensive coordinator before that for Art Bryles at both Houston and Baylor. He actually oversaw the offense that got RG3 his Heisman, so pretty solid there. Reportedly, he is going to be handling the play calling, which is interesting considering that has been, you know, Hugh Freeze's baby for all intents and purposes at both Ole Miss and Liberty. He has controlled play calling, so he clearly has a lot of faith and trust in Phil Montgomery to hand the reins to him in that. Now, when a head coach says that, do they have heavy involvement? Yes. So I don't foresee him fully letting go of that. I think there will certainly be a working relationship in that, but we'll see what happens in game and the workflow that they establish, but that is what is expected to happen. And then Ron Roberts is a former Delta State and Southeastern Louisiana head coach, but he was the defensive coordinator for Dave Aranda at Baylor the past three years. Now, both guys were just let go from their respective schools, but they were very, you know, high profile candidates for other Power Five programs and come highly recommended and with impressive resumes. So I don't think it was necessarily the shiny exciting hires that maybe people were hoping for, you know, the Travis Williams of the world. We all know how I feel about that, (laughs) but I think they're solid. I think they they're solid. They come in with a lot of experience, a lot of contacts um, and a solid resume, like I said. So as well as, you know, relationships, that's the thing. The coaching tree runs deep. If if you've worked for so-and-so and they recommend you like those sorts of things are very much at play in, in terms of establishing what kind of, scheme they intend to run. Okay, what kind of experience do you have in that? Who did you work for in that? That way, you know, is our evaluation and our, you know, vision of the scheme the same? Or do we view this foundation differently? That that kind of thing is very much at play. So that is ultimately where Hugh Freeze opted to go. We also just hired another Auburn alum, which you love to see. Marcus Davis has been hired as wide receivers coach. He has been actually coaching the wide receivers for Georgia Southern. He is deemed a rising star in the coaching industry. He, of course, played at Auburn from 2013 to 16. He was on the team that went to the national championship in 2013. So very excited to see another alum return to the staff. So that is kind of a lot of things have shaped up since we've last done an episode. Jay, what are kind of your your thoughts of how the staff came together and and kind of what their goals and expectations are at this time of year. 
Yeah, I think the one thing that Coach Freeze was looking for was continuity, mm-hmm. um, you know, and everything. I, I do think that, you know, he put together a staff that he feels very confident in. Uh, Coach Montgomery being an offensive coordinator, everyone probably remember back in the Baylor days when RG3 was his quarterback and uh, and everything where they, you know, put up some really good numbers uh, from, an office, from an offensive standpoint uh, as well. When you think about Coach Roberts, the defensive coordinator, you know, I think those two guys know each other very well. And I think that's what Coach Freeze was kind of looking at was, how do I get guys that don't have to learn each other, that even when we practice, they have an understanding of going against each other in practice that can help our football team. So those things are very important. I remember Coach Borges and and and, and Coach Chizik was really, really good at that, like creating situations in practice and saying, hey, Coach, can you give us this so we can do this and see how we react? Like you have to have that type of continuity where – Coaches already know each other from some history a mm-hmm. little bit. And I think that's what he's doing. And, you know, I think Coach Freeze understands that coaching in the SEC, because he's already been here before in the SEC, he he knows, like, the demand of being a head coach and how you're pulled in so many directions where you have to go to this quarterback club and maybe speak. You have to go to this this meeting over here to try to raise money. You have to go – over here and recruit this high school kid. You got you got to be, and then you got to find out how to be a father, how to stay being yeah. a husband. And so it's so many things that comes with it that he realized that in order to be successful at this at this position in in the SEC, you need someone to take all that pressure off you, and that can be the play caller. And I think that's why he went and got Coach Montgomery because he's been a successful play caller. He knows his offense, and because. Coach Freeze needs to be a CEO right now, and he knows that. Just look no further than Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo Fisher has tried to do all of this for how many years, and where has it gotten Texas and him? So they just had to go hire Bobby Petrino to be their offensive coordinator right. and to call plays because it's hard to do both at this level. You can get away with it at smaller schools because the demand off the field is not as high. But the demand at Auburn, the demand at all these SEC schools for these coaches, it is very, very high. And and you can only do so much. So I think it was the right decision for him to go get someone that he trusts in and play calling and everything. And then to bring back Marcus Davis as the receiver coach. You know, a guy to play here, a young stud as a coach that's great in recruiting, but also great in getting these kids' attention. Uh, you know, in, in the locker room. Like I say, I really like Ike Hilliard a lot. I uh, had a connection with him. But Marcus Davis is a guy that, you know, once they made a decision to go somewhere else and they took their time to hire a receiver coach and and to get him, you know, I think speaks volume that, hey, they're trying to get people back here. He believes that Auburn needs some Auburn people. And he it needs some people that's going that have their heart in it and knowing that when you lose a game, it hurts like crazy. They're not worried about their paycheck. They're worried right. about how can we get Auburn back to winning. Yep. So that was so important for him to, to do that. And, yes, we all thought about Travis Williams and everything. But I think maybe the relationship between Gus and Coach Freeze, you know, you don't want to touch each other's people probably. That's probably true. Probably came <clears throat> to a fan as well. So, you know, Travis is off to Arkansas as a defensive coordinator. So, I you know, know. He's, a, he's a young stud that's going to continue to grow and grow and grow. And everything, but who knows? You know, his past may still come back through Auburn one day. So yeah, I feel like, you know, even getting Coach Gary, I just feel like he's done a really good job of getting his staff. And it's a mixture between veteran coaches 
and coaches that's like right in their prime. Rising. Yep. I totally yeah. agree. Which that's I think is also smart for relation to the players. Like, you know that they have to have guys that they connect with. Like, let it not be forgotten what Cadillac did to maintain a lot of those guys this year. And I think so much of that had nothing to do with what they thought they could accomplish on the field. So much of it was relationship driven. I think as much as college football is changing, relationships are still going to be effective. And so for Freeze to implement both veteran guys with a lot of experience and work in some young guys that he knows, hey, my players are going to connect with them on like a personal level. That is a recipe for success. You have to have both. Nonetheless, the coaching staff has put in work, like you said, working on this recruiting class, definitely was ranked toward the bottom of the SEC, now in the top 20 nationally. And like you said, hopefully more progress to come after some of the all-American games and things like that, and National Signing Day happening in February. Um, there's also been efforts made in the transfer portal, so let's talk about that a little bit. A few big ones that have been garnered, offensive tackle Dylan Wade from Tulsa, edge Elijah McAllister from Vanderbilt, and tight end Rivaldo Fairweather from FIU. So definitely big gets. You also see a pattern in the recruits. There is an emphasis on the offensive line, and boy, has that been needed. We have certainly talked about the, you know, shortcomings for Auburn in the trenches and protection up front. And while we all want to talk about the quarterback position, it starts with that front. And I think that, yes, injuries have been a prevalent piece of it, but you got to have depth. You got to have guys that are capable and solid in their technique to create a cohesive unit so that that offense can go. Hugh Freeze knows the importance of that and where Auburn has lacked in the past few years. And they have made efforts accordingly. So through recruiting and in the transfer portal, and I wouldn't be surprised if more are efforted, that front is definitely a point of emphasis. And then the quarterback comes through it as well. And everyone wants to talk about it because while Robbie became the guy down the stretch and we know he's capable with his legs, there was almost no passing game. And Robbie will have to develop that in the offseason. And look, they feel like Phil Montgomery is a guy he can do that with and through, but they've got to add to that room. They know that. And there are a couple guys in the transfer portal that are, you know, being talked about right now. Brennan Armstrong, a transfer from Virginia, and Spencer Sanders, a transfer from Oklahoma State. Now, names like Devin Leary and Grayson McCall were closely tied to Auburn in the past month or so. Grayson McCall apparently had some kind of academic thing like credits weren't transferring he was actually slated to come to campus didn't end up going he has now withdrawn his name from the transfer portal and will be staying at coastal carolina and devin leary actually went with kentucky and is headed to lexington so now it is brennan armstrong spencer sanders who are still in the transfer portal sam hartman as well but it is all but done that he is headed to Notre Dame. I have never read anything about him considering Auburn. So those two are really the ones that are focused on right now. So let's talk about the quarterback position, other positions that you think the transfer portal could still do work with. Yeah, everything starts in the trenches. You know, no matter yeah. you look at offensively or defensively, everything starts up front. And any great offensive coordinator or great offensive mind know that you have to have those guys. And what Auburn is doing in the offensive port in the in the offensive transfer portal is really outstanding. Uh, when you think about they're building this thing inside out, 
they know what's the most important part. You got to start up front. You got to build a wall first. And and we're doing that. And then they're moving their way to the outside where they're trying to bring in another target at the receiver position where they're trying to, you know, maybe add one more running back to the running back room to a, to a talented room that we already have uh, just from depth perspective and everything. But when you think about even the quarterback position, let's be honest, if you, you had Robbie, but, you know, TJ, you know, whatever happened with him last season kind of fizzled out. And then Calzada never really played for real. And then Holden Garner was pretty much redshirted. And so it was just Robbie. I was like, so it wasn't like someone there that they could compete or anything. It was pretty much just just him. So, you know, they're, they're going to try to add to the quarterback room because every school is going to do that. You're always one play away uh, from being in trouble if you don't do that. So, you know, I think they're looking for someone to come in and compete with him uh, at the same time. And then if you think defense is out of the ball, you got to do the same thing up front. You got to get defensive tackles and you got to get you got to get some linebackers because that's where we lost a lot of our guys and Kobe Wooten, Echo Leota, and and uh, and Edward Papo. And when you lose guys like that, you got to go out and find replacements because why? They was a big part of our defense and uh, and everything. They had a bunch of snaps. So, you know, those are the areas I think we focus on the most in transfer portal uh, that can help our football team uh, really turn this thing around quick in a hurry this year. Do you get the impression that this coaching staff wants to play young guys or do you feel like they want to invest in the transfer portal and prepare these recruits to be more of a future I've learned through covering football the past few years that coaches have different philosophies on that like I know a lot of coaches that really really it's almost like a non-negotiable that you're going to be redshirted your first year because they believe in development they believe in making you learn and making you understand things a little bit better before they throw you out there now of course you're going to have some generational talents that come out of high school and and you would be a fool to not put them out there but a lot of coaches <clears throat> their bread and butter is development and so they believe in getting the right recruits in there but utilizing the transfer portal and and the current older guys a little bit more while you prepare the younger guys. Have you gotten an impression from this coaching staff which way they lean? That's the thing about it. I think they want to play the best people available. Okay. Uh, but I also think they understand like, hey, we had a really good recruiting class, but we also don't want to throw these young guys into the fire if they're not ready yet. So we have to make sure that we go out and get guys that can at least get us through this first year and getting this thing going back in the right direction while we're developing our young guys to still get some playing time, but also be prepared after this year to really be like the guys and everything, which I think is a smart plan because you want to have a good mixture and because you want to get guys some experience, but you also don't want to move too fast on guys that they lose their confidence, especially when they're very young players. But you want to lean more in this situation on some veteran guys. Get some guys in here that has experience. Get some guys in here that know what it's like being in the trenches, know what it's like playing in big games uh, while you miss some of those younger guys in those games. So I think it's the right plan to do. You have to attach the transfer portal right now because let's just be honest, we've lost the last two years because, you know, we haven't met some of the talent levels, some of the teams we played against. And I think that we need to get to that, but you have to give your young guys an opportunity to grow 
and develop without having to move them too fast. And then, but you get these veteran guys that's coming in here and say, hey, I want to win. I want to win now. And I want to help turn this thing around. That's what you want as well. You want these guys with that type of mindset because we know that they want something from us and we want something from them. And that's the thing is we want them to help us win, but they also want us to help them get to the next level. And so I think it's a win situation for both. And uh, at the end of the day, it's going to take those veteran guys with some of the younger guys getting some experience, it's going to help this season coming up be a very, very good first season for Coach Freeze and his staff. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there's a lot of encouragement to be taken even from their first month, two months. I mean, we're not going to continue to compare to the past situation. I don't think that that's worthy of anything. But I do think that you can see – a change already in, in the efforts being made in the emphasis on recruiting on, you know, maintaining the Auburn culture and going out and recruiting while you represent the brand. I think that those efforts have been seen in the last month and you can draw encouragement from that. No doubt. When talking about the two guys at quarterback Jay that are in the portal right now, and obviously conversation surrounds them being in talks with Auburn and potentially being, you know, considered as as targets in the portal, Armstrong and Spencer Sanders. Uh, what jumps out at you about both of those guys? Obviously, someone who who played quarterback and succeeded at Auburn. What are your thoughts on on kind of the current state of that QB room and and those two guys that let's just say are being considered by Auburn? Yeah, I would say you know both of those guys are being considered. Like you say, you. you pretty much every kid that's in the portal are always going to get talked about. Right, and exactly. Everyone, and everyone's going to try to, you know, pin them towards Auburn because that's the – everyone feels like, you know, Coach Freeze, that's the number one thing he he wants. Um, I would say this, though. When you look at a guy like Spencer Sanders and you look at a guy like Brendan Armstrong, both of them have, have valuable experience. Uh, you know, Spencer has thrown for over 60-some touchdowns in his career so far at Oklahoma State. Uh, when you think about Brendan Armstrong, had a fabulous 2021 season. And in this past year, you know, the season wasn't the same for him. And there could be a lot of different factors for that, you know, and everything. So, but is he still has good arm talent? He still has good arm talent. Spencer, Spencer Sanders, I think, is more than an elusive quarterback. At the same time, he has arm talent too. Uh, like I said, either way, they're going to add to the quarterback room. And it's just a matter of the fit. You know, which one of these guys, if it's not one of these guys or if it's someone else, do they fit the system and do they fit the scheme? But at the end of the day, can you sit in a room and have a relationship with the coach that's coaching you? You know, because you want this coach to get the best out of you, and uh, and but you also have to be attentive as a player to be willing to accept accept hard coaching. And then, and then also, from the quarterback perspective, you have to look around and say, hey, is this a great fit for me? to be able to sell. And I would say Auburn's right now is in a prime real estate to sell. Let's just look back over the years when we had transfer quarterbacks to come in here. Cam Newton, Nick Marshall, Jerry Stidham. Right. They've all they've all done pretty well here and uh and everything. So, you know, it is a good place for him to walk into whoever decides to come here. Like I said, and then even like I said, Robbie has to compete. And it doesn't matter what school you go to, I tell all these quarterbacks Guys, if you're willing to walk away from competition, then you're not willing to be the guy. I said because there's going to be competition whether you're in college or definitely if you go to that next level to be on that 53-man roster, they only travel two quarterbacks. So you better get used to it. 
and you better get right. used to competing because this is the way of the new world from here on until there's some type of parameters on transfer. I was just like, yeah. right now, it's all about best man wins. And coaches get fired and hired off of sometimes what their quarterback can do. <laughs> so, you know, you have to make sure that that position is is definitely a stable position. But what makes that a stable position is all the pieces are, that's around it as well. And that's why they're doing the offensive line. That's why they're helping the receiving core. That's why they're yeah. beefing up the defensive front because we've done good in the defensive backs. We just got DJ James and, and Nehemiah Pritchett to come back. That was a Ooh. huge get. Yeah, that is huge. <laughs> So now you beef up those guys in front of them to get to the quarterback so that they can continue to make plays on the ball. So, yeah. you know, if you just look at our overall, Taylor, we've done a really good job of uh in in recruiting some of our own guys to come back, you know, even yeah. Jeremiah Wright, you know, then coming back. So, you know, we've done a really good job. We just got to keep adding the solid pieces, but add depth. You need depth because you're always one play away from that next guy coming in. And it can't be a huge drop off between your first starter and your second guy. Right? So you need to have that depth. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, good point about DJ and Nehemiah choosing to return. I, I feel like, again, you kind of set up for the secondary to be a very veteran, deep group. Um, and that foundation has kind of been laid over the past few years. So those were great. Also, very obvious, but we have not said it since we did an episode. Tank Bigsby and Shedrick Jackson have both declared for the NFL draft. So the potential of adding another back to the running back room is also, you know, a cause of of Tank deciding to move on. Not that anyone was surprised by that, but nonetheless, it is official. Um, yeah, so I, I'm with you. I think that the efforts being made, the pieces that they're focusing on, the the coaches that have been hired, it's all taking shape. And I do think it's all trending in a positive direction. And you want to see that continue. These months, while we feel like, you know, it, it's slow time, this is pivotal for the coaching staff. This is the time that the foundation is laid, that the pieces are put in place. And then once you get into, you know, even winter workouts and closer to spring ball, that's when you start fine tuning all of it and starting to, you know, obviously implement scheme and all of that, but you got to have the pieces. And and right now is when you see them garner those pieces. And and I'm encouraged by what has happened thus far. And, and I know there's more to come. So we'll certainly keep our eyes closer to that. But in the big picture of college football, boy, what a crazy month it has been between, you know, bowl games and then, of course, the playoffs. So let's talk about it, Jay. Without question, <laughs> the most exciting college football playoffs since its inception. I mean, as if we weren't already excited about expansion, this year certainly made it like that. The potential that we're going to have more games like this one is incredible. But TCU defeats Michigan 51 to 45 in an absolute shootout. Max Duggan just seems to have the the juice this year, man. It's like they've they've got that thing that that it almost feels like a team of destiny, you know, and they're they're one game away from it. And Georgia defeats Ohio State 41, no, 42 to 41, a one-point result in that one, coming down to a field goal attempt that, of course, was sent pretty far left as the social media world makes sure to emphasize but honestly they shouldn't have even been in that situation the defense completely fell apart and let Stetson Bennett drive downfield 
as he's done so many times before with just under a minute to go. But both games, absolutely incredible. Absolutely what a playoff should be. You know, we we debated so much. Are these the best four teams in the nation? Does so-and-so deserve to be in it more than Alabama? Who's on the outside looking in? Well, I, I think they got it right. I think the, the top four was what it should have been. The game showed the result of that. And even one of them wasn't the result that anyone expected. I think most of the country expected a Georgia-Michigan national championship. A lot of people even thought Michigan was going to walk away with it this year. So absolutely incredible. It's so fun to watch. And it sets up a TCU-Georgia national championship on Monday at SoFi Stadium. Give me your thoughts on the playoff, Jay, and and those two semifinal games, how how incredible they were. Yeah, they were definitely incredible. And the day started off with Kansas State going up 14-0 on Alabama. And Yeah, that didn't you know, last long. Right, that didn't last long. <laughs> it just goes to show you that that little layoff, once that layoff kind of wore off, you know, the best teams started to show. And that shows it's throughout true. the whole playoffs. So even when you it's think true. about the TCU and, and, and the Michigan game, everyone thought that because Michigan plays a ground power football that they was going to be able to kind of control a finesse TCU team. And uh, TCU, I think, had a lot to prove. Like you said, you know, after losing to Kansas State in the in the championship game of their conference, they come into this game with the mindset of everyone's questioning how do we get here, and 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 we only here because they didn't want to upset everybody and says go with three another SEC school, and so they had a lot to prove, and they came out and they played like that. They played with an edge on their chip, on chip on their shoulder, and they played from the start to finish in that ball game. And they did beat a very very competitive Michigan team that a lot of people probably picked to win it this year, uh, because they thought Georgia and Michigan was very similar teams. But then this was the year that Michigan kind of got over the hump. But TCU answered the bell, and like I said, I really like their quarterback. I really honestly think he should have won the Heisman. I know. Caleb, I agree. Caleb Williams I agree. is a great talent and, and everything, but I thought the Heisman was about winning games and 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 still putting up good numbers. But winning games supposed to be the ultimate the ultimate piece. And I'm just like, it's also supposed to represent college football. And I'm sorry if you go out to one of the biggest games of your season with "fu" written on your fingers, you don't represent college football. Right, and and on top of that is like USC lost to the same team twice. Exactly. And I'm just like, okay, TCU is a team that went undefeated most of the season, lost to a really good K-State team, but then turn around, they just beat a Michigan team, and they're in a national championship game. How's that kid not the Heisman Trophy winner? And that's the thing that drives me crazy is sometimes that award goes to the most prestigious university that they feel like from a football and not to the not to the best person, you know, that should the best who should gets it. So, you know. That's neither nor here or there, but TCU is in the national championship game. You talk about the Georgia-Ohio State game. You know, that big hit on Harrison in the back of the end zone might have cost uh, Ohio State an opportunity to win that game because yeah, that's he's, so such true. A, he's such a dynamic receiver. And it was a clean hit. It was just a really hard hit and uh, and everything. But to be playing that game in the fourth quarter without your best receiver is not where you want to be if you're Ohio State. And then on top of that, though, where was the defense in any of these games? And I, I said, know. And I said, when you think about even a Georgia defense giving up the points that they gave up, 
uh, Michigan defense giving up the points that they gave up. These two teams were supposed to be defensive football teams. And it just goes to show you, when you give someone three and a half weeks to prepare for you, and they can draw up a lot of different things offensively. And then now this week is going to be a different telling story because they're only it was only nine, nine days to prepare before you play this game and not three and a half weeks. So now it gets down to how fast can you really get to your X's and O's in a game, in a national championship game, because you don't have all this time to sit up and drop all these plays versus Georgia. Georgia don't have all this time to sit up and draw plays versus TCU. It's going to come down to who wants it more. And this is a very dangerous game for Georgia. And I, and I say that because the pressure's always been on Georgia to expect to win this thing again. That's all you keep hearing. Everyone, when you watch the TCU players talk on their press conferences, all you hear is about the chip that's on their shoulder. Like how no one expects them to be there, how no one's giving them a chance. Even the point spread doesn't even give them a chance. You know, this is a dangerous game because of that. And when you get 18 and 22-year-old kids, you don't have to get them, Taylor, prepared to go out there and win a whole season right now. They just got to win one game. So they're putting all their heart and everything into this one game to try to upset Georgia. And from an SEC person, we've won the last 16 to 17 national championships. So, you know, this is a pivotal game. But uh, TCU and what their head coach has done this year ought to be applauded for, you yeah. know, from Ohio State. I'm just like, guys, <clears throat> there's guys in the NFL that can't make a 50-yard kick with pressure on the or game on the line. you talking totally. about the countdown for New Year's on the East Coast was happening at the same time as he was kicking this ball, which is mm-hmm. ironic. That I, That's amazing how that just happened that way. But then on top of that, the whole world is watching, and it's a 50-yard kick. Right. It, you know, so that was a, that was that was tough for him to for him to be in that position. Should they have been in that position? No. I don't know what Coach Day was doing. Once Scrooge scrambled and got all the way down to the to the scoring zone, why not stay in attack mode and making a shorter yeah. field goal? Georgia hadn't done anything defensively to stop you all night, so that game could have gone either way. But here we are, TCU, Georgia. I think Georgia squeezed it out in a very close one. Uh, well, I am going to be in purple because I am now a TCU fan. I'm sorry. I just – it's our rival, and I, I can't do it. So, I, I know it's SEC, blee, blee, blee. When it comes to Georgia and Bama, <laughs> that goes out the window. So, um, I am hoping that TCU completes it. It does, unfortunately – kind of remind me of 13 where it was like we were a team of destiny we had unbelievable comeback wins and crazy moments that will go down in history but just couldn't finish it off and ended up losing the natty so we'll see if they can uh, change that result and but I do think what you saw Jay is that I think Georgia has weaknesses and I think you saw that um, and I'm I think that they put more on film for TCU to kind of exploit and take advantage of than they had thus far this season. So plenty to be taken away from the way that Ohio State was able to really, I mean, I think CJ Stroud played an incredible game. I, I think it was one of his oh, best. Yeah. You you even saw him running some at the end, which you don't typically see from him. I mean, he he had an unbelievable game. And I think if if Max Duggan is doing anything, he is fine-tuning what C.J. Stroud did to light up that Georgia defense because he certainly found a way to do it. 
Um, but it's going to be exciting. And then, uh, crazy enough, college football comes to a close for the year. It is also FCS championship weekend. That happens on Sunday. So if you are just in a championship mood, that championship is going to be on ABC. And it is South Dakota State against North Dakota State. We've got a battle of the Dakotas. That is actually happening on Sunday. So just if you're interested. Um, real quickly, before we wrap this up, because <clears throat> I got nothing left. Um, Auburn basketball, unfortunately, fell to Georgia last night. We have begun SEC play. We started it off with a narrow win over Florida, but we couldn't get it done last night in Stegman Coliseum, losing to Georgia. The record is now 11-3. and We are 1-1 one and one in SEC play, and we host Arkansas Saturday night. Gymnastics season also starts off this weekend. We will be kicking it off in Vegas at the inaugural Super 16 meet. Uh, there are very good teams in that meet, teams like Oklahoma, Michigan, UCLA, national championship caliber teams in that one. So it is definitely going to be exciting. But keep your eye out on the schedule if you are interested in watching Suni Lee in her final season at Auburn, as we have announced, as she has announced, she will be leaving Auburn after this year to pursue another go at the Olympics. So if you want to go see her, make sure you get your tickets for this season and follow the team starting out this year. But Jay, we are going to get more into basketball now that football is almost done as of Monday. But what little bit you have been able to see of the basketball team and follow, what are kind of your thoughts on the way they've started season? Kind of almost the way that they ended the season last year. Oh, and interesting. What I, what I mean by that is when we went to Greenville, South Carolina last year to play Miami in the tournament, what was our Achilles heel? We couldn't shoot the ball. Mm -hmm. We couldn't shoot the ball well. It's the same thing that's going on right now is we can't shoot the ball well from the outside. And the type of offense that, that Coach Pearl runs, which I love, which allows guys to just be at their best, you know, it's the type of offense that any college kid would want to play in. But you got to be like the like Brown and Harper was back, back, in, back when they played. They could yeah. do what? Shoot the basketball. So we're not shooting the basketball consistently on the outside. And when our bids get the ball on the inside, sometimes they got to look to score more because we are struggling from the outside. Yeah. Sometimes they look to kick the ball back out. You know, just go ahead and take those shots on the inside because this may be our team this year. It is We ought to feed a little bit more on the inside because we're just not consistently good enough on the outside shooting the basketball this year. And, and that's the difference between us winning these games and losing these games. Defensively, we have spurts where we play really good, and then sometimes we get out of we get out of position. So defensively, we just got to hone back in because let's be honest, the SEC is loaded this year in basketball. Yeah, like just look yeah. at it; it is completely loaded. You're so used to seeing Kentucky in the top three, and and uh, in, in basketball period, they're not even in the top four or five right now in the SEC in basketball. Like it wow. is completely loaded right now. So. You have to have great outside shooting. It's the name of the game now in basketball. And until our guys get more consistently on shooting outside, and not just shoot it outside just to be shooting it. Like, understand what's a really good shot and what's a bad shot. Sometimes you yeah. don't have to pull it from outside just because you have free free go. Like, sometimes get to the basket. When you're struggling to shoot the basketball outside, get to the basket so you can get to the free throw line. Once you start to see the ball go in the net a little bit, you gain more confidence. And uh, so we got a lot of room to keep growing with our, on the basketball side right now. But 
I already know, like, you know, if anybody can turn around, you know, Coach Pearl and his staff can get these guys going in the right direction. But these players also have to make sure that they're buying in to what they're trying to coach them and teach them to do. And, right. And, and understand, you know, don't just play basketball. Be students of the game. Understand, mm-hmm. like, hey, if I'm struggling, get to the basket. If I'm, you know, having an off night, let me get someone else a little bit more involved. It's just not my night, but I can do some other things to help us. I can be more active on defense. I can be more active rebounding. Uh, so understanding your strengths and weaknesses is very strong when it comes to basketball because a lot of it is about matchups and yeah. uh, and everything. I don't get super discouraged with losses like that because of who our head coach is. He doesn't. Uh, the wheels don't fall off under Bruce Pearl. That's the difference. And I saw a tweet this morning that said, you know, the final four team lost nine games in the regular season. So uh, you you don't get discouraged in basketball by a few losses and, and under a guy like Pearl, you have confidence that, that they'll learn from it and come back better. So, but I, I totally agree with your takeaways from it and hopefully they get, get that together. And they will get the opportunity again, another SEC game this Saturday against Arkansas, like I said, 7.30 tip. So if you're going, enjoy it. Um, And that's going to do it for us this week on Believe in Everything Auburn because I can't talk anymore. Hopefully we will be back 100% next week and I won't be sick anymore and we can get back into the swing of things. We're going to get some interviews lined up for you, football, basketball. We'll keep talking about all of it. So make sure you hang with us here on Believe in Everything Auburn. Thank you for listening. Make sure you subscribe if you haven't already. You'll get a notification every time we release an episode. We are back. We are going to be consistent, and we're looking forward to the new year and appreciate all of our listeners following along. So until we talk again, War Eagle, everybody. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.